I end up perceiving, and this is going to sound dramatic, but I end up perceiving the, the landscape of your soul or your essence, whatever you want to call it, and it's complex. There's lots of layers to it. Underneath the layers is the truth about you. And to me, the layers represent all the bullshit we've come to believe about ourselves. So the healing is about peeling back those layers or getting those layers to resonate with the truth. Welcome to Supernormalize, the podcast where we challenge the conventional, break boundaries and normalize the seemingly supernatural. Join me, CJ, as we explore less uncharted realms of existence and unravel the mysteries of life experience. My treasured listeners, if you have a life story or healing modality or unique knowledge that you'd love to share, reach out to me at Supernormalized, that's Supernormalized with a Z, at Proton.me. Let's together embrace acceptance of the supernatural and unusual as what it really is completely normal. Today on Supernormalized, I had the pleasure of interviewing, or actually co-interviewing, Wendy Halley. We agreed to do a podcast swap. She runs a podcast called Lucid Cafe, which explores lots of similar sort of ideas and realms around um, health and wellness and shamanism. And I read her um, information and thought, wow, this sounds really good. So I reached out and here we have Wendy on the show today. I'm sure you enjoy. It's actually a great conversation and um, we just ran out of time. So we decided to call this part one. So enjoy the show. We're doing a podcast swap today and today I'm swapping with Wendy Halley. So I'm going to welcome to Supernalized uh, Wendy Halley. Well, hello, CJ. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here, and I think that this is my first time doing a pod swap. Okay, so, so what's the I'm, name of your I'm show? curious to. The name of my show is Lucid Cafe. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Lucid Cafe meets Super Normalized. Yeah. So tell me about Lucid Cafe. What sort of topics do you cover there? Uh, I, my tagline should be shit that I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's completely honest. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 um I mean it's it is the stuff I'm interested in. I mean if I'm to be a little bit more professional, which is kind of a stretch for me at times, it would be I, I cover um healing, consciousness, and the complexities of being human. Yeah. Uh, so that that has like it's pretty broad. Right, right. And what drew uh, you to start doing a podcast as well as your regular practice? Well, you know, it was, it's kind of a, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version, but I had, I wanted to offer something to the folks who I was serving, the folks I was serving. And that meant um, I I had been doing uh, this monthly, what I was calling the chaos discussion, uh, based on a visionary experience I had in 2008, and I did it for 10 years, once a month. Uh, I, it was just this free gathering 
where I bring my drum and lead people on a shamanic journey and in preparation nice. for what the vision showed me is this, this time of chaos that was going to be getting intense uh, over the, the coming years and sort of like a, yeah, just a preparatory uh, practice. Like my, my dream is that everyone become their own shaman mm. and, uh, and forge those relationships with their uh, allies in the dream time. Brilliant. So, yeah. so once, but that started to, uh, exhaust itself that chaos discussion and so i decided i wanted to offer something something to people that was a hopefully a helpful service of some sort so i thought how about a podcast and i have a background in um print and video journalism mm. and not a huge background but enough to get me into trouble uh with the right. podcast <laughs> so that's 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 uh it, and when i was studying journalism uh it was all analog so it was it's a lot easier now to yeah. to edit and stuff with the everything being digital yeah so yeah that's my long answer to your your question and so yeah, yeah i just put this information out and i've had really amazing guests over over the years i'm in i'm going to be starting season six six pretty soon but i don't put out a lot of content looks okay. like you put out something every week yeah yeah, I try to do something every week. Yeah, and I, I probably every three weeks when I'm yeah. in, like I take a break in the summer just to, because I, cause I guess it seems I'm a busy girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do this because I love it and I wanted to make sure that other people get to be heard. I, for example, for myself, um, for my whole life, I've, I've had so many what people would term out there or woo experiences that are just so off the charts and wild mm -hmm. but when i explain them to people the most common experience i have with people is people just look at me and and with that blank stare and they say well that's different or um <laughs> <laughs> or or the or the brave ones smile and say you're crazy and then the other people that actually have had experiences go wow that's great you should write a book <laughs> so, <laughs> And I thought with, you know, with that variance in experience and the responses, I figure that that would be a good place to start. We'll do something that actually can reach out to a lot of people quickly. And that's a podcast as far as I could tell. Yeah. No, so, that, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you the same question and you yeah. already answered it. So brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing you actually said in, when, in your answer was that um, you were trying to lead people to understand that they are their own shamans anyway. Mm-hmm. I would say that everyone is, but they're unconscious of it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's something we're, especially those of us in the Western world, um, mm. are really far away from because we don't seem to have a very, uh, our focus isn't internally driven. It's more mm. externally driven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you know what I mean, right? Like oh, everything in the external world we're trying to manipulate and uh, and get to know so that we can make our lives easier, but it actually doesn't work that way. If you, <laughs> if you turn your focus inward, I guess that's where you have access to personal power and Absolutely. and uh, hopefully understanding. And yeah, especially when you open these shamanic doors or whatever doors your path leads you to. Mm -hmm. So from your water of experience and understanding, what actually is or am shamanism and how do you find your path towards it? In general, how does anyone find it? Yeah. And um, your experience too. 
Well, it, it, yeah, I think, I mean, traditionally, it's, uh, traditionally, and just, just for the record, I mean, sh shamanism is kind of this word that's used now to describe this, this uh, ancient practice. Yeah. That basically you go back far enough in any culture, you, you'll hit a, a shamanic tradition. So we all, it's in our DNA, I, I believe. Um, so the, uh, the, I mean, traditionally, like I was about to say, uh, people might have um, be, be drawn to this, this practice because it's uh, in their lineage, ancestral lineage. They might be drawn to it because they had a, a, a near-death experience or a, a, a really intense illness, or they might have a spontaneous visionary experience. And a lot of people today are, I, I think, longing for some kind of connection like this. And so that's what I think a lot of people end up finding themselves it may not be because of an experience. It may be just be the, it might be this longing to connect with the natural world in this way, um, or uh, or develop a spiritual practice. And uh, thanks to Michael Harner in the in the from the seventies, <laughs> yeah. wrote who wrote the classic book, um, the Way of the Shaman. Yes. He it, he really was responsible for bringing shamanism. Uh, again, that's a word that we use to, to 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 describe this practice. That's had many different, probably titles, and depending on, or you call it many different things from uh, different mm, cultures. One, but yeah, it's the one. That yeah, it's a universal yeah. word. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's the one who's who's responsible, I think, for bringing it to the Western world's attention, and it's just been um, building momentum in the in the recent decades. So for me, it was, uh, my invitation was through a, I guess would call a spontaneous visionary experience, um, which, which I, I, I don't know if you want me to go into detail about it, but it's, um, it was unusual. It got my attention. I can just give you the highlights of it. Sure. The Why highlights. Not? Tell us what happened to you. That's, 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 <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I've I've shared this because it's come up uh, on occasion on my podcast. So I apologize to my folks if you heard this one before. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I mean, it was definitely a trippy experience. I was um, probably about two and a half years out of graduate school studying clinical psychology. Um, didn't have any kind of spiritual practice. Was starting to look into um, kind of indigenous perspectives uh it really kind of drawn to it and mm. that had been that had been uh kind of welling up in me since my mid-20s after well, when my mom died and uh but i i mean i am not a religious person i be i i became an atheist when i was 12 <laughs> and uh so i had no kind of spiritual bent and uh, so I had this more kind of materialistic perspective, I'd say, going into this experience, um, but a curiosity about the mystery. And so it was a Saturday morning. I'm in bed. I lived in Denver and I was awakened by the sound of my, my neighbor's lawnmower and, and the children 
his children playing in the yeah. backyard and mm. i was really pissed because uh when i squinted at the clocks i really bad eyesight it said 757 <laughs> and oh. no nobody should be allowed to mow the lawn oh, that early in the illegal. morning it should oh be i illegal. agree yeah. i live in a forested area and so when i hear that machinery so i i was like no it's my morning i'm gonna go back to sleep so i closed my eyes and then it was i was I closed my eyes and I was looking out of the eyes of someone else mm -hmm. and I was very much awake. I did a lot of te testing of it back and forth. Like I could hear the lawnmower and I could also see this experience unfolding and it was very linear and it was hyper real. Yeah. And I was, I didn't know this person. She did not feel familiar to me. Um, what I noticed was she was wearing it's kind of like hospital garb it looked like a like a smock or something yeah. and she was in shackles ankles and her hands and she was being escorted down this sort of industrial looking hallway uh with the fluorescent lights and everything and with a and there was a guard on either side of her okay and i i knew it's like i was almost like this um the only way i could describe it which is the way i've described it before is like a vicarious hitchhiker yes and so i could I could access, I definitely could feel her emotionality, a little bit of her um, kind of mental state. She was clearly afraid um, and that, and her emotions were flat. So that it was very foreign to me, the way she, besides, I mean, besides the fear, but it's, it just felt like she was off in some way. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. And I knew she was being led to her execution. And so that's, that was the, the bulk of the experience between me going back and forth into my, my bedroom physical reality experience, listening for the lawnmower and like doing a check because I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Am I, am I dreaming hmm. or what? And then I'd go back into it and then I'd be a little bit farther along in linear time. So now she's She's having a memory of somebody she said goodbye to the day before or something like that. And then, uh, and then I check back in again, and then I come back to the dreaming experience. And then she was being, the next thing I know is I feel my, um, my legs being tied down, her legs being tied down to this very hard, I'm on a very hard, in a very hard chair and her arms were being tied down. And then I can't see anymore and something's over her head. Hmm. Um, and then I feel her fear rise up and uh, it was a, an electric chair <laughs> and go through the process of, of, I hear voices, but her panic made it so that it sounded like I couldn't understand the voices in the background. Hmm. Hmm. Um, she, she wasn't listening to them. And so I couldn't hear them, I guess. That's the only way I could interpret it. And um and I remember the weirdest thing is I hear this really loud kind of solid click and then I, I hear a buzzing and then it stopped. And then it, and then there was more talking and then, it, and then it clicked again and then the buzzing came and, and then I could feel the electricity enter her body. And then immediately she popped out with me out of the top of her head. Mm. And, and then I'm up, we're floating up. And now there's this bright darkness all around. Wow. And I said to myself, did I just die? 
kind of mm, I, mm. again I, I felt no connection to her I, I don't even I don't think she was aware of me and I mean ethically it sounds really obnoxious <laughs> and I I still don't know who she is she didn't feel familiar to me it didn't feel like someone um someone I had been before in a previous lifetime or uh anything like that but but uh I I yeah I had that was my very first experience and uh when I I, I was not scared during the whole process it was intriguing as hell I was really mm. intrigued I was curious yeah um and uh the only time I felt disturbed was when I when the experience was winding down and I was focusing back on my body I couldn't move mm. my I couldn't move my body and yeah. then I was then I started to panic a little bit like what the hell again <laughs> and start moving my fingers a little bit and then I started to relax and and then I started moving the rest of my my body and I looked at the clock and it was like um what was it like 804 it's like all of this all of this expansive experience had been condensed down to these in physical reality mm. like five five minutes or whatever it was i can't do the math <laughs> yeah that's that's wild very intense and uh it sounds like bilocation which i've i've um, heard of before and actually experienced myself as well um and probably during that moment in her experience where she was in the world at that time you probably experienced her as flat because she was pretty much resigned because of uh, the experience she was going through mm. and it's certainly possible and or she, she was she was mentally unstable is the, the oh, conclusion right. I came to is yeah she may yeah. still be alive and on death row it's a possible oh, thing I, I don't know <laughs> what you say yeah it could have it could have <laughs> even been like what if, what if it was actually not a uh an execution event what if it was actually ECT for her in that case a what what like an ECT, like um, electro, um, in so, um, oh ECT, the yes. uh, yeah, the, uh, gotcha. No, it was, this was death. She died. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that case, yeah. Right. Well, because well. I when when her her body, like when we were above her body, that's one thing I forgot to mention is that I I heard it, like this voluntary involuntary guttural sound came out of her that was not mm. human sounding. It was. Oh yeah as the pain was and the 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 electricity was coursing through her body yeah she mm -hmm. she checked out she popped out before it got painful but her body was still having that experience as it was dying and i could hear it mm -hmm. and then when we got up into the darkness i said isn't there supposed to be some i was it kind of being a smart ass isn't in my mind i was isn't there supposed to be the tunnel of light or whatever <laughs> go to and then I looked over at my left and there was a diamond of light on a, it created kind of a horizon. The, uh -huh. uh, the points on the right and the left were going off into a, uh -huh. like a line. And I knew I wasn't allowed to go there. Yes. But she was supposed she, to go there. Yeah, right. So you landed back in your body and that was such an extreme event that it inspired to explore more of, um, actually no i i just yeah. i i wrote it down because yeah. it was i i was i was in the habit of writing my dreams down and since this mm. was kind of a dream um i wrote it down i only told one other person my my now current husband yeah um who we were uh just starting a relationship then 
and uh, and put it to rest because by Western psychological standards, um, I was delusional. I was seeing and hearing things when I was awake. So I didn't tell anybody because I was a practicing mental health clinician. I still am. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I was, again, I was very intrigued by it, but I was also super embarrassed to share that information with anybody. So my experience, yeah, led yeah. me yeah. to, um, uh, it was all kind of, as these things are, very synchronistic, uh, how I landed in working with this woman who called herself a shaman, where I lived in Denver at the time. And it was just right. all kind of this, um, this, these weird series of events that led me there, and I wasn't looking for it. Yeah. And so I trained with her and I seemed to have a knack for being able to alter my consciousness and enter this place, but I didn't stick with her. Yes. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years, I ended up, um, again, another series of magical experiences. I actually dreamed of this man before I met him, um, that who became my, my teacher, Hank mm. Wesselman. Um, if people follow shamanism, they may know of Hank, uh, cause okay. he's, he's, uh, he he actually died unfortunately a couple years ago mm. um but his he was a, a very accessible really great teacher and he he helped a lot of people learn uh how to access the shamanic realms and he um it, it his tradition what he learned was through the hawaiian or polynesian tradition right and so that's that's kind of the foundation of my of my practice. But I ended up studying with him for some years. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's my that's my story. Your origin story. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, it just I just it, I felt at home when I started yeah. learning how to, especially with Hank. Everything started making sense, and I felt like ah, this is the thing. Uh, and then I, I was so excited and I wanted, I was, I wanted to be of service. I was like, can I do, can I do a power animal retrieval for you? How about for you? I was like asking cool. family members and friends if I could, <laughs> if I could practice. Um, yeah. And they, uh, some of them, uh, they uh, put up with me. <laughs> doing was that. it like, was it like, just let it do it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I think they were curious and they were also eye, eye rolling at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. I got that a lot. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, so how that's, about you? What's your what's your origin story? I've actually got quite a few, but what I'll do is I'll I'll summarize some into like a path that makes sense. So, um, my first origin story was when I was about uh, three, four or five. I'm not really sure the exact age, but I was basically a toddler still, you know, wandering around, bumping into things. And um, uh, we lived in a house which was across from a forest. And uh, back in the 70s, parents used to let kids walk outside and do whatever the hell they want. So I would walk across the road and the road, we a dirt road, and this is in... Um, Sydney and uh, we lived on a ridge and just across the road was a forest and I'd walk into that forest um, by myself and in my experience it was a very long path but I went back there as an adult it was like about three meters but um, <laughs> 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 so, 
It's funny how that works. It, yeah, it's weird. But uh, I, I went and sat on a rock in, in there because I knew my friends were there. This is all something I just knew as a baby, um, a child, very small child. I knew that my friends were there and I'd go there and I'd sit with my friends and I don't remember what they look like, but they taught me to meditate. And what I mean by that, I'd sit with them and they'd tell me how to still my mind and sit with the space that I was in. And the plants would then start wiggling like, um, un- like you're underwater without wind. It was just all happening around me and it turned the whole world into a magical place around me. And I would sit there in that with them for, um, I don't know how long a time, but I did that many, many times over. And I thought that was normal. And as I got older, I'd explain that to my friends and they'd all be like, well, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but it was a living experience for me. And that was, that was my early, early age one. And then at the age of six, um, my parents and friends were at a barbecue at a local dam and i had a foam surfboard and i was compelled to to swim right out to the center of the dam even though i could not i should say paddle on the board um i wasn't actually swimming i didn't know how to swim and i didn't know that that was important at the time my parents and everyone was distracted by you know um, uh, preparing lunch and um, drinking and having fun on the beach um and i was about maybe uh, 70 meters out i don't know what that is in in um, feet but it was quite a way out and i became imbalanced and i fell off the board and i went down under the water and i kept on trying to get up but i couldn't get up and then i got a lung full of water and i went from being really fearful and panicky to being relaxed with it. And I don't know why at the time, but I just felt suddenly like, oh, this is okay. And as I sunk to the bottom full of water, I was, I, I remember um, floating backwards until I was in the mud on the bottom and just looking up. And this severely um, spacious calm came over me. And then there was this infinite blackness and I felt totally at ease. And I thought, I've got to let go into this. And I let go into it and it was beautiful and I loved it. And then next moment I'm on the beach and I'm vomiting water and everyone's freaked out completely. And um, I had drowned momentarily. Um, but for yes, me, it, actually, it, created a, it created a yearning. I was like, what was that? What was that infinite, spacious, beautiful void? What is that? I need to know more. So that struck me as a child and um, over time, I, I would be called back to that experience in other ways through um, self-experimentation. Um, and I was using psychedelics as a, as a young nipper. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the first time I, I, I took some of them, I actually accessed straight away into that space where everything wiggled. Like for when, when I was a small child, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, wow, this is like my childhood straight away. And uh, I had many experiences that... Um, connected me back in completely into that realm and um, I'm thankful for them but you know they're not something you can do all the time it's cool that your reaction was curiosity and wanting to learn more as opposed to being petrified of death or the darkness oh right well I should explain why that happened in that way um at the age of about, I think maybe I'm nearly probably one or one and a half, there was a massive thunderstorm outside our house and the 
lightning was like striking so loudly, so close. I, I remember being, being completely fascinated going to the door and putting my face right up against it. And it's a hot summer's day. So this was so welcome to have this beautiful breeze of you know, wind and spray with this lightning and thunder. And it wasn't scary to me. It was like, this is power. I want to know more about what this is <laughs> and it's amazing and it just made me feel so alive. So that was a part of the core of that. So when I went into that um, uh, death space or dying space for me, I was like, oh, there's going to be more here. Let's find out. <laughs> so you, you ha that's just natural natural to you. It's innate. Yeah. This, yeah. It all, are, would you consider yourself a risk taker? Mm, calculated risk, I would say. But because those are, yeah, I guess it, it's all relative, huh? Because yeah. those are some pretty big calculations you made. <laughs> <laughs> like paddling out and into the dam. And, well, I've and... well, got to say, I wasn't intending to drown. So <laughs> Understood. But <laughs> that was accidental. You all... Yeah, no, no, I understood. But it was still like, uh, I mean, probably innocent risk. Innocent risk, child. yeah, you would say that. Yeah, that's, that's a yeah. better way to put it for sure. Um, but not all kids are like that. Some kids mm. are a lot more cautious and fearful. Mm, I don't know why I was like that. I'm yeah. not really sure. But, well, that's your lightning story, your, that's, yeah. that's a great example of like, like leaning into. Oh, yeah, I definitely uh, was leaning into so, Leaning into an experience that, that uh, frightens most dog friends and little kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've had a bit of an F around and find out sort of um, – attitude to life like let's find out what happens you know you've got is to that know what, it, the f around is is that for find yeah find yeah. <laughs> find around and find out yeah that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> we'll keep it nice <laughs> you don't have to on my account oh okay well we know what it means <laughs> and so um yeah so that's pretty much driven me to my own shamanic experience as well as well. I mean, I'd call those shamanic experiences myself. And I had, indeed, yeah. I had I had many others, and and um, as time went wore on with um, my life, and 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 one of those um, was a was a shamanic dismemberment experience where I was taken into another realm and um, with a whole bevy of um, attendants torn apart, completely torn apart, and um, then That's fun, re. Yeah rebuilt with um crystals and they were showing me the crystals and how beautiful they are like here's your liver it's beautiful and i was like yeah it is put it in <laughs> yeah, i <laughs> so need that, that. yes yeah like, uh, yeah yeah so it was uh that that was a really striking experience for me at the time myself and i didn't know that was a normal um sort of event until i later on read um i think he's i'm gonna chop his name up but mercia eliad's book shamanism which um had um uh, stories about that with the Tunguskan shamans going through these experiences mm. and, yeah, and it turns out it's actually quite yeah. a common common experience and so I've had dismemberment experiences since but the, using Mark, Michael Harner's techniques as well myself so um, I, I do do those too and uh, yeah I think that these things when when you have a calling it just keeps on calling and, uh, yeah it can be relentless it seems it does yeah, yeah, I yeah. think life can get uncomfortable if you ignore it. <laughs> oh, I, I'm certain of it. And I think maybe that's the whole chain of spirits behind us, which actually led us to this moment in life. And they're like, come on. They've got the, they've got the chain on your leg or something. And they're pulling it like, yeah. come on, do your work. <laughs> hint, <laughs> we didn't hint, let you hint, in. Hint. We, didn't, we didn't let you to incarnate for nothing. 
yeah i yeah and i think i think that's kind of a it's well maybe it doesn't manifest in the same way but i think everyone has that sort of pull and yeah, again it, sure. it, 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 you get really uh it gets really uncomfortable if you ignore that pull because usually it requires you taking a risk of some sort and getting out of your comfort zone and going into this unknown territory. Yeah. Would you and say it sounds like you're, you're curious and, and lean yeah. into it, like I said before. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now you said before that you started out as an atheist. Would you say that you actually have some sort of shamanic faith now? Well, I definitely have. Um, a, I would say it's more of a trust. It's become like a shamanic trust. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in other words, yeah, um, I think I always see faith as like a stepping stone. Yeah. Like you can't really stay in faith because that can lead to, I guess, like magical thinking, right? If you just sort right. of stay in that faith place, like your your fingers are crossed, you're hoping it's going to work <laughs> out okay or whatever. Yes. But then trust is more direct, direct experience. And I guess once I d got a bunch of direct experiences under my belt and started seeing like, oh, no, I'm not making all this up. Yes. That, right. that there's no way I'm just not bright enough to be able to make up or understand this or know <laughs> this or no, it's not me. And you have enough of those experiences and it's like, all right, I, I, I think I can trust this. Mm. So, um, yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? I forgot. Faith. Faith. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say I, I, I am a, I'm a heathen. So I, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, okay. yeah, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's, I love the definition of heathen, uncivilized, yeah. unenlightened, uh, irreligious. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it, it fits for me. So I, I guess, I mean, uh, by definition, if atheism means uh, no God or without God, then I think that's where I sit. Um, it doesn't, it, it, in the a search, I mean, to be honest, a search for a God doesn't interest me. Right. And I, I don't know how it, I actually don't understand how it helps people to right. have, to have, to, to put their, faith into into a, a godlike creature other than or being sorry <laughs> yeah 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 i, well, I, I think gods yeah. came to creatures too though, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's just that's just me and i mean yeah. I, that's just me so um hopefully that doesn't offend people but that's 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 i mean where all my experiences yeah, I guess I'm just not interested in that. It doesn't. Mm, it doesn't mm. pull me. Um, yeah. Maybe there is a God. Maybe there isn't. Who knows? Well, you work with spirits. Yeah, yeah, and and what they are is a mystery too, right? Is mm. it's um. I think there are so many different vantage points, and I I'm always like trying to be cautious of how I am framing my experiences so that mm -hmm. I don't get into um, kind of a, I mean, my goal is not to have a, to make my practice into a dogmatic type thing. Right. To try to be open to, uh, to kind of pushing beyond the limits of my beliefs. Yeah. 
so that I can have or deepening experiences or deeper experiences. Mm -hmm. That's it's it, it sounds like your experience of shamanism um, is more like a dialogue, an ongoing dialogue, a dialogue with the other, with you know, coming through the facets of, say, um, um, spirits and how they work with you. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah. There's definitely relationships there, um, mm, mm. and I mean, if you, the more uh, are they are they aspects of myself that I'm connecting with? Are they aspects of of uh, of the other um i think yes maybe to both are they mm -hmm. archetypes that i'm connecting with these these um symbols that have been the part of human history for eons that have that have their own form and shape and in, information for us yeah. that inform us i don't know i mean i think it's all of those things right maybe mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Or I could be full of shit. I don't know. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, uh, question for you then. So, can you enlighten us about the causes of illness from a shamanic perspective? How does that play out for people? I mean, from my understanding, it's like when people get ill is when they become divorced from their path but aren't even recognizing it. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And, uh, from the teachings that I received, which makes a lot of sense to me, um, the there's three causes of illness from this perspective. And one of those is disharmony. And that could be the result of the ending of a relationship or a job or something ending, uh, or just uh, not being in harmony with yourself yeah. or your situation or whatever. Um, I think it's we're we're in the in the throes of disharmony planet wise i think yeah 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 and uh and then um fear is another cause of illness from this perspective that i that i was taught uh which is pretty self-explanatory yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then soul loss is the other big cause of illness which is um, probably something people are familiar with, maybe they're not, but it's basically a very, um, again, indigenous concept of when, and it's, it's super helpful, actually, in times of trauma, your essence checks out, so you can get through this difficult experience. Yeah. And then ideally, when the trauma is over, you check mm. back in. But mm. if the trauma is so great, or if it's repeated, as in the case of abuse, then you aspects of you will not come back because they're they're fractured they're hidden or they're hiding um they're lost they're stuck and so the medicine for that is soul catching or soul retrieval, retrieval yeah. and that's a very specific type of of shamanic medicine or work mm -hmm. and then power augmentation is the focus for the for disharmony and fear yeah. So reconnecting people with personal power, actually reconnecting you with your soul parts when they come back, right, yeah. is is a power augmentation too. If you think mm -hmm. about it, it's your it's it's you. You're getting yeah reintegrated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Can you describe how you work with people and um, when you're working with them, how you help them to integrate, um, you know, your shamanic practitioner roles? Hmm. 
how I work with people is um, I've had a, a kind of, I guess it's not so under the radar practice <laughs> for a while. Um, I've always just told myself if people keep coming, I'll keep doing the work <laughs> um, <laughs> or asking for it. Uh, so I, uh, you mean like the, the practical way I work with people or, or like the presenting issues that most people come with? Well, how about we go with the practical way that you work with people and maybe give an right. example of somebody you've worked okay. with without saying their name and how that played out and, and the results. All right. All right. I'll try not to freeze up with that because there's like every time I have to come up with an example, I can't think of any. So let me <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'll, I'll come up with one. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, I can I can actually borrow from one from this morning. So people um, I, I work with people remotely and and um, in person mm -hmm. uh, because we're accessing this other dream time reality, spirit world, non-ordinary reality, non-physical reality, all different names for the same place. So there's no time there. No, it's it's it. And, and the location doesn't matter. So you can be in person or not. Yeah. Uh, but there is something a little bit more special about the in-person experience because of all of the all of the sensory experiences of of being in an in-person session. So um, basically how I work with somebody is and this is the shrink in me is I have a conversation with them first and get an idea of what, where they're at in their lives and what their hope is for the session. So they're setting yeah. the intention mm -hmm. as opposed to just doing it blindly, because what if my helpers work on something that they're not ready for of course yeah, yeah. so i'd much rather them be in, in in setting the intention for the the session and um and then i also do a little kind of overview because a lot of times people were coming in because somebody said hey you should try this but they don't know what it is they're trying so i do a little bit of <laughs> an educational piece and then they invite them to run out the door if it sounds a little too weird to them mm -hmm. before the, yeah. <laughs> the session starts always an exit exit plan if you want it and then uh um yeah and then how i work because every practitioner is different and yeah. so how i describe how i work is when i'm in an altered state and i use sound to get there um i end up perceiving and this is going to sound dramatic but I end up perceiving the, the landscape of your soul or your essence, whatever you want to call it, and it's complex. There's lots of layers to it. Now, underneath the layers is the truth about you. And to me, the layers represent all the bullshit we've come to believe about ourselves. So the healing is about peeling back those layers or getting those layers to resonate with the truth. Mm. And so whatever the focus of the healing is, um, uh, my helping spirits will ask that layer to rise to the surface they'll dive into it and I am kind of um, going along for the ride. And I'm, uh, so I'm not doing the healing work, but my helpers are doing the healing work. I'm the witness bringing someone's request for healing from this world, the physical world to the non-physical world. My, my spiritual allies are badasses and I watch what they're doing and I report back. So my job is to keep my house as clean as possible so that I can mm. perceive as mm. accurately as possible so that my stuff isn't getting in the way of someone else's stuff. Brilliant. And then um, uh, they might work through my body um, mm. and or give me some guidance on what I should be doing 
to help them in the physical if it's an in-person session and uh, when the session when when the dream the dreaming is over so basically I'm dreaming but I'm awake so everything I'm perceiving is some symbolic and so I am perceiving someone um, I'm perceiving someone's wound in a symbolic fashion and it typically mm. involves um, connecting with that wounded part of them which it typically is in stuck at at the age of uh, someplace in childhood. So I, I find a childlike version of them or a child version of them and, or they find it. And, um, and then they're stuck in some sort of pattern that just keeps playing out over and over and over again. And then my helping spirits will step into that narrative and they'll start interacting with it again with me watching so I can report back to the client. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they may take out symbols that aren't serving them, which is called extraction. They may, uh, well, they will connect them with personal power, which will come in the form of an animal spirit or two or three and other nature spirits show up. I never know who is going to show up, but they all yeah. have their own sources of power and gifts to offer the person to yeah. help them on their journey. And then uh, after after the healing is complete, um, I share everything that I perceived with the person mm-hmm. and then we talk about it and how to use it um, and, uh, to how to apply it to their lives. Yeah. So um, we, we talk about using the visuals as tools to help them really cement that new narrative. Cause if they do nothing after a session, the tendency is to revert back to the old unconscious patterns. pattern. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So that's all of that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, it seems like such a long answer. No, no, but it's a long answer is good because it gives a good rounded framework as, as, as to how you work and what happens in a session. When you describe that, I could actually relate back to a session that I had with a, um, a shaman from New York one time. I was going through some stress in a relationship and I was noticing a pattern that wasn't healthy for me. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem like me. I don't know what's going on there. Why am I doing that? And I contacted this shaman and... Uh, we had a, a, a pre-meeting and went over the um, uh, all around it and, and what he needed to understand. And then um, he went away and um, meditated on it and then recorded his session. And it was a drumming session with um, him speaking about the experience that he was seeing. And um, when I got that back, uh, he said, take this and listen to it over and over and over until you don't need to listen to it anymore Hmm. because this is like a key to undoing what has happened to you that causes you to do what you're doing and i was like nice okay so i did that and and it did it worked (laughs) and i was like well that's so cool you know because i'd never experienced um somebody doing shamanic work like that before and i was really amazed that uh that it worked the way that it did and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great example. Yeah, yeah I yeah. I have I the last couple last couple years I've been encouraging people to record. Yeah, the part where I'm telling them what's going mm-hmm. on. So and and then, interestingly, not a lot of people will listen to it afterwards. Like they'll just, it's so interesting. I guess maybe I could be more directive in that. I could highly recommend that they listen to it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like you're oh, no, like your practitioner it totally did. It totally worked. For yeah. Me. No, it makes sense. Of course it yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. Now, That's is it cool. possible? 
Is it possible for anyone to learn how to access that dream time sort of space or the spiritual realms? I mean, is this something that's normal to all of us? I'd like to think so. And I, 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 I highly encourage anyone to try because it's rich material or it's rich. Totally. It's a rich practice. Yes. Um, and, and, and also the potential for it helping you understand or at least experience how complex reality is, which can help give you a different vantage point when you're feeling stuck in a situation. But I, I do feel like it is possible it, using sound is uh, takes some discipline because you have to keep pulling your focus back to the intention of the journey. And that's mm. what we would call a shamanic experience, a journey into yeah. the into the spirit realm yeah um but yeah i mean then there's also uh, i'm i'm really excited about the potential of psychedelic assisted therapy where people are guiding people um to help help them uh, guiding them offering offering them support as they're going through a a, a journey which is very shamanic um using mm. plant medicines or mdma or ketamine or whatever mm -hmm. um, so that's another I, I find that a lot of people get interested in this practice after they have a psychedelic assisted therapy experience because it opens doors it does it actually opens doors makes it more easy to access um, once you've been there in some other way um, you pretty much find that every time you go there in every other way is just another angle in the same story mm -hmm. so yeah no you can actually access these realms very easily with some um, shamanic techniques and yeah yeah um I, I personally when i do journeying i like to get out the rattles and and um, do the vahana technique which is all of the um, protection layers and everything and then rattle 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 until i'm off off with the um the, into the space and uh yeah. Well, yeah can you talk a little bit more about what that is for you like what, what do you mean by the the hana technique or uh, Michael, Michael, um, Harner. Oh, Harner. I'm sorry. Yeah, Harner, sorry. Yeah, Michael yeah. Harner technique. Ah, yeah. okay. So you're just, instead of using a drum, you're using rattle. Rattles. Yeah. I prefer which, the rattles. And that works too. Yeah. 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 yeah everybody's like different. Yeah. For me, the rattles are really strong because they, um, the sound is so sharp. It just pretty much breaks up any, um, distraction and stops the mind from chattering. So that, that helps, that. Yeah. that helps to actually open up into that space really easily. I find. And um, I, I studied under a, a local shaman here, um, Heather, and uh, she um, took us through that technique and it was great. It was really good. She's such a, such a good uh, teacher in her way. And uh, when, when we were in a class doing it, um, we were told to go into a certain space and greet some animals and they will be our parent animals and, and then go into the upper realms and, and greet a, a being there into the lower realms. And uh, when I got into the upper realm, um, I I got a character that I was like, oh my god, I can't believe it's that character. I was like, no, 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 it can't be. That <laughs> what? <laughs> I got I got Geppetto, right? No um, way, that's awesome. I know, but at the time I was like, oh, I can't be a freaking cartoon character. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, this is weird, and I didn't get it. But then. Later on, like I actually, at the moment, I was like, well, I can do anything in this space. So I pulled out a light hose and I hosed him away. I'm like, no, thanks. Give me a real one. And, <laughs> and then he turned and back up again. how did that work? It didn't work. He turned back yeah. up again and he said, no, it didn't work. And I'm like, okay, okay. You and me, well, buddy. You and me. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. And then, <laughs> and then after, after um, that 
that uh, weekend of learning, um, I went and did some research and then Geppetto is actually like a facet of um, uh, like a god type position. And so it's like a like the prim primal and primary advisor and can help you in, in ways from that position. I'm like, wow, that's no cool. No kidding. Yeah. 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 So that's what he represents. So I'm like, yeah. Rich territory. See? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't so do expect you have... that. No. No, of course oh. not. That's what's cool about when you start doing this stuff is that the unexpected shows up. And it's like, yeah. like I said yeah. before, like, there's no way I could have made that up. Yeah. No, I yeah. I wouldn't even think of that. <laughs> so do you have a daily practice? Um, I don't have a daily practice. It's at, at the moment, it's, it's as when called. And okay. I do it with my wife. She's, she's a shaman. And um, so when we practice, we do it together and we... we um, yeah journey together at the same time we try to do it at least once a week um, that's nice that's great some, yeah get some get some knowledge and say hello to our um our animals our spirit animals and power animals yeah it's cool mm. and you before we started recording we, you talked a little bit about um being a magician talking about your practice with chaos magic i'd love to hear about that if you don't mind sharing okay so I that that came from all the way back when I had that first experience of power and like a like a yearning for power and to be in alignment with that power. And I found from my experiences of um, spontaneous sort of shamanism, um, that power is within us and and it is a magical point. Now, I, for a long time, I did a lot of what I call open hand magic, where I would just know the ways to do things to make things happen around me. And when I say that, I'm like influencing reality by enhancing probability in my favor. And it didn't always work, but worked sometimes and, and sometimes worked fantastically. So I knew there was something within that. And over time, um, I had experiences that um, told me more about this sort of power i had a, an event in my life which was um extreme when it came to dealing with um some issues and i called in protection and uh spirits to help me and i was guided to do what's called a um, like a protection bag which is like a little bag that you put things in that um are all um in alignment with protection and I did that under a sort of like a guided instruction that had come from some spirit. And as I was doing that work that night, um, massive thunderstorm was happening. And the last part of the actual work was to go and bury a crystal out in the backyard. The rain was so thick that if you put your hand into it, you're soaked. But as I walked out with that crystal, I had a column of dry over me as I walked over to the garden and put the crystal in. And as I walked back to the back door and I was like, what just happened that's and i had cool. yeah my 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 partner at the time witnessed that and she said i saw that and i said yeah that's just that just happened and I said, i'm definitely <laughs> i'm definitely protected there's nothing to worry about that now. just happened <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it did yeah <laughs> wow that's cool yeah 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 so i had this protection bag and it, and it worked fantastically for what i wanted it for so yeah but that was guided and you know and i i've pretty much um, over a long time, I was shirking this thing. I was like, oh, magic happens and it is something that can people can do, but I'm not so interested. You know, I'm like, I've got to get on with life, but that's just a distraction from the fact that you can do it. So 
Mm. Over time, um, I I ran into other friends that are, are magic practitioners, and um, one particularly, um, uh, I won't say a name, but um, she pointed me in some directions, and it just all launched from that point. And since then, I've been um, practicing um, chaos magic um, for myself. And chaos is the is probably the worst word for it, but it's not really chaos. It's more order, as far as I can tell. <laughs> But, is it trying uh, to bring chaos into order? It seems like that. That's what I think it okay. is. It's like it's more yeah. like a, yeah, bringing more into more um, the order that you want in life. I think that's another okay. way to put it. Um, but again, it's all about influencing probability in your favor. And you know, obviously, there's some probability that is um, easier to influence than others. I mean, you can't just go and say, "Oh, look, give me the lotto numbers." It's not going to work that way because a lot of other people are asking the same question. Right, and so, yeah, the world would be a different place if that was if it was that easy. If it was that easy, that's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what I, do you think I, are the I, ingredients to successful magic? Um. Okay, I would say coming from the heart, a pure intention um, with a um, em impassioned um, direction for result that, that you then let go of because you've got to, if you go and start a recipe, it's got to bake on its own. Mm. You've, you've put all the pieces together, but it's got to bake on its own. So you put it in the oven and you forget about it until the, the oven bell rings and you go and pick it out and then that's it. It's ready. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I think that's what happens because if you keep on concentrating on it, open the oven, open the oven, open the oven, it falls flat. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great analogy. Yeah. And so you use sigils to... Yep. I use sigils. To do your... Okay. Can you explain yeah. what that is just to just okay. so folks? So sigils like are <laughs> a <laughs> so sigils are a, a, a type of magic that came from um, Austin Osmond Spare in the early 1900s. He was a artist that discovered this method, and the simplest way to explain it is that you write your intention, pull out all the vowels, take those letters that are remaining, and then if there's any extra letters cross out the, the doubles or the triples and um, what's left, you can turn that into a symbol that you can launch using that method that I said before, which is like an impassioned sort of um, mm -hmm. pushing towards Baking it. a cake, yes. Baking the cake, yes. So, um, yeah, I, the way that I work with it and um, I, there's a lot more specificity to it, but I, I won't go into that because it's detailed. Um, but uh, I find that works for me quite a lot. I also do a lot of work with other spirits as well and also with my power animals and uh, also daily workings I, I do with the planets so uh, to try and keep an alignment otherwise um, I find that things can go awry if I forget to. Are you, are you saying that astrology informs your yes. practice? Okay, yes. gotcha. Yes. So to make yes. sure I understood that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I work with a bit of astrology as well. I wouldn't say I'm a strong astrological practitioner but I know enough to get by. <laughs> all right so have you uh, uh have you written any books or are you yes i have written one one book that i did release on amazon and it's called sometimes i look in a mirror and allow myself to be surprised i wrote it when i was 21 years old but after i'd been through many shamanic experiences and i actually had an emissary which is a um, guiding spirit which was on my shoulder and teaching me shamanic techniques and um that was distilled down into that book, which I published 500 copies of and self-published at the time and handed them out for free. 
just to see what happened. And from what I can understand, only two people got it and um, <laughs> understood what it was about. And that's enough. <laughs> oh, but you and, put it on Amazon. And I also put it on Amazon, yeah, but it's like a 99 cent thing. It's only more, uh, a few pages, but we'll see how that plays out in time. Um, well, if your stories in there are as intriguing as the ones you shared today, then yeah. I, I imagine there'll be some, some curiosity there. Yeah, well, those stories that um, I've shared today will probably come out in the future in a, in a longer book, which I've had on the oh, board okay. for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's th that one's more like my philosophy at that time. So I it, see. It, okay, it yeah. still stands up for today, but I wouldn't say all that stands up for today from my experience. Yeah, yeah, the twenty-one-year-old version of you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, quite different. <laughs> you may have you may have figured some more stuff out since then. Oh, yeah, that's right. You may yeah. have, yeah. I've, I've yeah. If we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Wendy, I think we're going to have to wind it up there because um, of our time limits. Um, but um, I, I've already appreciated our conversation today. It's been fantastic. And I'd I like to do this again in the future. It. I think so. I think there's more ground we can cover. Oh, sir. yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's, yeah. Call, let's call this part one. <laughs> okay, part one indeed. No, this was really fun. I really appreciate you because you're the one who instigated this you this invitation yeah. to do this yeah. pod swap. Yeah, and um, and I like I like the format. It's fun. I felt like I usurped a lot of the time with all my stories, but nah, um, I, I'd like to hear more from you. Yeah, for sure. Too. So when we have more time. Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. All right. So let's so, do it again. Yeah. So I'll say I'll say bye for now to the listeners. And do you want to say Bye, goodbye everybody. to yours? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's what I call a stimulating conversation. Wendy and I have a lot of similar ideas. It's obvious that we've had similar experiences as well. As well. Come to similar conclusions, I think, when it comes to the way uh, shamanism works. Yeah, it's it's great to hear that her understanding of the world. And I'm, I, I, I like it when when things resonate with me and yeah it's it's to me this is this was a great conversation I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed as much as i did and if you did please get onto your podcast app and give us five stars it actually helps us to get known and spotted by other people who are interested in this sort of thing and if you have a friend that could actually use this information or enjoy it or you know basically come back you know show them the show give it to them send them a, a link it would really be appreciated thank you so much for listening until next week Bye for now.